What's happening, Arsenal Nation? It's your boys, Adele and... The Baker. What's happening, Baker? Oh, by the way, we're back with another Scar of Life podcast. You know what we should start doing? Because I've been listening to some podcasts. Well, we should do a lot of things. But I've been listening to some podcasts of late. Everyone names the podcast number. Podcast number 172. Podcast number 76. I'm not sure why I'm stuck on 70s. We don't ever do that. Do you have any idea how many podcasts we have done? Well, we could probably figure it out pretty easily, I think, if we wanted to. Uh, yeah, but, right, but if we wanted to. No, no. And I, I take more of the friends approach, like the friends, the show, the naming. You know, mm-hmm. it's the one where we talk about Mike Petke getting fired. It's the one where we talk about Deloitte Hansen selling the club. It's the one where we talk about, you know, winning uh, the call the um, Rocky Mountain Cup. Things like that. It's a little more descriptive. Does anyone care if it's episode number 183? Like, what, are you going to reference our material in an academic paper in a couple of years? One would hope so. One would hope so. That, that's, that's if a that ever happens, our academia is in even worse shape than I thought it was. How's that? Uh, it's, it's fair. I would say it's fair. Our Nation, welcome. Critique. Thank you for listening again. Welcome back, all four of y'all. We're going to talk about a couple of different things tonight. First of all, man, this season is coming up fast. It is just two games a week. Even after a few weeks, it seems like a lot of games back-to-back. Not complaining, just saying it's a lot of games, and I'm loving it. And today, we're going to specifically focus on the most recent game where we kicked the living Chivas out of LAFC, 3-0, absolute domination, man. The other thing we'll talk about is um, there's, there's, been, there's a bit of money discussion and talk around the worth of the, well, RSL and the works and uh, whatever else comes up, yeah? Yeah, yeah, the whole Chivas thing. People were not happy with you doing that. Yeah. Did you see that? Oh, I saw it. I, I love didn't... it. I didn't know uh, RSL Nation was that superstitious. Just to be clear, I'm glad we are. You know, uh-huh. to, to paraphrase one of the great uh, philosophizers of our time, I'm not very superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> uh, Michael Scott? Michael Scott, the one and only. He's a but, great philosophizer, yes. But yes, everybody was like... And just to be clear, you basically had the old Chivas logo in the background and the new LAFC logo slapped on top of it. Basically saying, you know, Chivas in the skies. And and more than a couple people were a little like, Hey, let's uh let's 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 go ahead and beat them first before before well, we get look, to that. Here's the here's the thing people have to remember. First of all, I will never ever forget the very first game LAFC played at Rio Tinto Stadium. I think it was their first game ever, or maybe their second game ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it and, was one or two. It was one we, actually. It was their first game ever. I think it might have been, yes. Yeah. We scored on them in a matter of five minutes. Five yeah, to ten really... minutes, I think. It was 1-0, Real Salt Lake. And then the entire crowd around the Section 35, especially singing Chivas in Disguise, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Just and then, like um, if I remember correctly, the game ended 5-1 then? Yeah, we didn't score again, and they scored like every 10 minutes. They, they scored as many goals as Seattle scored in the first half tonight. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So I get it, but come on, folks. It's a little friendly crap talk, a little banter, a little fun. Right. Like, we're not on the field. If, if I'm a player, okay, if Kyle Beckerman is posting Chivas in disguise, I'll be upset, <laughs> right? But if Adele and DeBaker are posting Chivas in disguise, have a laugh at it, move on. It's fine, I promise you. I, I don't think people were, like, upset. I think they were, like, it was genuinely, I got the sense that it was, like, like, they felt it was, like, bad luck. Like, I don't think they were, like, offended on behalf of LAFC. I think everyone recognizes that they're, you know, an outstanding club. Though not not so much lately, but oh, histor- so you know historically being a relative term because they've been around for all of thirty seconds. Um, yeah. But I think everyone recognizes that historically they are a very good team, and you know it it's it, it was just a little you know little uh, little hey let's let's go ahead and call them that after the three points are safe in in the bag. Hey, you know they've been incredible dating back all the way to twenty seventeen. I mean, long history um, of success. Right. Not even, dude, not even 2017, 2018. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they were a 2018 team, right? I don't know. I don't remember. I know they've been around for two or three years. I know we I know we kicked them out of the playoffs two years ago. Was that their first year? Yeah, I think. And that was the first time we beat them. Yep. 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 There it is. There you go. So long history. Anyways, love me some, um, love me some three points. Love me some wins. 3-0, absolute domination. I mean, what were you and I texting throughout the game? I think we were making bets whether this that game was going to go f- over or under four goals, and I was clear on the over side. And that was while it was still 0-0. This was in the first five or ten minutes when it was just a wide-open game. I mean, just an, a beautiful, objective game. What do you think of uh, the, the offensive performances by both teams yeah i mean i i think we were uh you know we were obviously i'm I'm trying to like remember now verbatim what the conversation was but it was around but yeah i got you know i think rsl being like a powerhouse you know very stout defense has kind of gone the way of the dinosaur under freddie a little bit you know in favor of a more attacking open style and LAFC, I think, you know, no one would ever accuse them of being like a, you know, heavy defensive team to begin with. I think that's a club that very much embraced the philosophy, will concede two, but score five. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was fully... They've been like that through their storied history. Yeah, yeah, for all of 2018, 2019. Um, and, and here's the thing, though, like... So 2018, their goals against, so, you know, scored on... Uh, 52, but their goals for is 68. I'm looking it up now. 2019, you know, the year basically that Carlos Vela became unstoppable and scored 38 goals. Uh, their goals for was 85, and their goals against was 37. So definitely a little, little better. Um, but yeah, they they were. You know, I was fully expecting a good old fashioned shootout. You know, like. Four three three two something like that, like a combined score north of four goals. Yeah. Um. And and f- 
I think if RSL had their uh, shooting boots on a little tighter in the first half, we would have got that. Well, 19 shots, 8 on target by RSL. 18 shots and 8 on target by um, LAFC, which is incredible because didn't we just set a new club record on Sunday for most shots? Something like 29 or something? I thought that was against the... Wasn't that against Portland? Am I making that up? Maybe it was Portland. I, I can't yeah, that remember. was a while back. That's what I mean. When, when you're playing two, when they're playing two games a week, it all kind of starts blending into one. Right. So there, there is, there is some of that. Now here's the other thing. So three zero final score, nineteen shots, eight on goal by us, eighteen shots, eight on goal by them. So same number on goal. Let's get into a couple of uh, individual performances. That Putna guy. Yes, sir. That was not bad. I would say, I mean, I was going to say hands down man of the match. Right. And still think man of the match, but not. it's not a hands down thing. There were so many good players in that game. Who was your favorite uh, performer? Yeah, I mean, I think Putna's probably probably the guy. You know, I like, I like seeing what uh, Chang was doing. Like, that was kind of cool to, you know. Like to see him come into his own. Um, I I think I gotta be totally honest here. Pablo Ruiz is making me eat crow. Yeah. Um, dude is. I, I think he's finally getting. A, my, my biggest critique was always his defensive play, and I think he's really kind of you know stepped that up a little bit. Um, there was a few shots there where I'm like, uh, I think another pass might have been the better call there. Or but, a shot uh, on goal, maybe would have been. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah don't send it into the yeah. the scoreboard or the you know the board. Um, but yeah, I I think it's got to be Putna. Um, just just because I don't know. It, it it felt like a it was a very RSL performance. Like it was the team is the star, like through and through. Like that was everyone kind of stepped up on that one. Yeah, even Rushnak. I thought Rushnak had a really good game. Which it's it's sad that that's surprising, but Rushnak had a really good game, and then Justin Merrim, uh, I I thought by far his best game in a RSL jersey. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I think a solid solid performance. Um, I mean, Toya had had another had a great game. Like it, it really was like nobody stood out negatively like like i'm you know I, I think i'm trying to be nitpicky and i'm trying to find something to critique for the sake of content but it was very much it was just a solid good performance um you know and and i think let's let, let's call it what it is here against a very heavily rotated kind of you know watered down version of an lafc team and and I get it, you know RSL. They have no say in who their opponent is. They they just have to beat the guy in front of them, and they did that. Um, but I think let's also not get carried away with the win. Like yeah. we lose that game, or we even tie that game, we're sitting here going, you know, like this was the golden opportunity to play these guys. Like they, in my opinion, they beat a team that they should have beat. Yeah. No, especially I mean the, the kind of run they've been on. Forget the last game. Right. I, let's, I think we can all agree that last game was an, an anomaly um, and at, at uh, Minnesota. Because, I mean, talk about a depleted lineup. I have no idea what that lineup was. 
the, the biggest joke around that game is trying to figure out what exactly what the formation was. We saw 11 names on a piece of paper. I didn't know what, what, what that was, what that meant to be. I, I continue to be extremely impressed by this team's resilience and ability to continue to fight and come back and, and get results. I mean, since this uh, DLH thing happened and since the club is basically up for sale, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit as well, they've played, what, four games, tied two, lost one, won one. Right. There's every excuse in the book for the team to start tanking, and not a lot of us would be able to actually blame them, right? Don't get me wrong, we would. We would blame them because that is what we do. And we will say things like, well, they're professionals. They're playing soccer. But not a lot of people objectively would blame them because of all the turmoil that's happening. But the team is continuously coming back, coming through, and just fighting, man. <clears throat> they're just fighting. And I, I love it. I love it. Um, I love it a lot. The two ties they had felt almost like wins. Right. And been good results so i'm not so, overly shocked i'm i i don't want to interrupt you here and i don't want to go down like a rabbit hole and a tangent and because i know we were planning to keep this one you know relatively short regarding the games but so like i don't know if you remember but at the start of phase one you and i were talking about hey you know realistically like how many points do you think we're going to get out of this and i think we ended up saying a couple of wins and you know, we planned it around Colorado, basically being the bookends, followed by a couple of ties. So mm -hmm. between like, I don't have it handy, and I don't know off the top of my head, but I think something between like seven to ten points is what we were saying. Out of six games. Out of six games, right, which not a great return. And and so while, while I agree with you, both of those ties felt like huge wins, especially given, you know, the level of competition. Like... When you really break it down, so we beat Colorado, there's three, tied Portland, four, tied Seattle, five, lost to Minnesota, beat beat an LAFC team that we should have, you know, beat, so it's eight. Like, depending on what happens against Colorado this Saturday, and I'm not trying to put a jinx on anything, like, I, I think ourselves having the kind of performance that we expected, if, if we're going to be totally honest. And I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer here or anything or, you know, be the kid in the corner that's going, oh, it's not that great. But it's really not that great. I, I, I think it feels better than yes. the objectively it actually is. Look, at the end of the day, a tie is a tie, which means it gets you a point. You can feel all you want about it. It's a tie. It is a point. You're absolutely correct. I do think they're performing better. Also, the other thing you have to remember, before phase one kicked off, we didn't have this whole crap happening, <clears throat> right, with the LH controversy. So, there was a fork in a road. There was a, a little distract, well, a huge distraction that happened in the meantime. So again, that's why I'm talking about the team's performance. Lastly, well, not lastly, at with this at this pace, with these types of performances, they will make the playoffs. And this is the MLS, the MLS. The only thing that matters is what kind of form, what kind of rhythm with what kind of momentum you get into the playoffs. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. We I mean, first or sixth, not a big difference, especially a year like this where there is no real home field advantage. Right. I mean, one right. could argue the home field advantage might be bigger than ever before because teams are flying in the morning of, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right? Flying out night of. Right. Um, so, but there's no fans. There's, there's, there's none of that. Um, so yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, a tie is a tie meaning it's a point, but 
But those kind of momentum boosts, I here's what I'm going to argue. We don't get those two ties against the Northwest teams. Mm-hmm. We don't beat LAFC the way we did yesterday. That's the mm-hmm. momentum. Oh, that's the, no. That's, that's the good no, feeling. No. Here's the thing. This this is, I, I have to disagree. Like, look at that lineup. Like, they were so depleted. Um they brought in the good guys in the second half. They they wow. did. Absolutely, they did. But and they had Rossi on there the whole time. Definitely. And he was super dangerous. And, yep. you know, I, I think if we're going to be honest, in that he was, I, I in my opinion, more dangerous in the first half than the second half. Um, I, I think Bradley Wright Phillips is on that field for the first 45 minutes versus the second 45 minutes. That, that game is totally different. Um, like, the second half... You know, I, I think all the props in the world to uh, Miram for under, like, so dude gets the ball at his feet in the box, surrounded by, like, three or four LAFC defenders, has the time to have a little dance and, you know, put it on frame with power, as you like to say. Like, most players, I think, would have just booted that and just hoped it doesn't deflect off of anybody. But to have that kind of composure in the box under that situation was amazing. Um but so we get that, you know, second goal really early, like basically as the second half starts. And I think that changed the dynamic. Like the second Latif Blessing is on that field, like hate the little dude, but I also love him because he's so good. Um, Like it, it was basically, you know, hack a Latif and like glad wraps him up. I can't, even, I can't even describe to you the happiness I felt when I saw he wasn't starting. Yeah, that, like the, that dude has our number. He's got everyone's number, but I think we are his favorite number. <laughs> yeah, and he got it. And yeah, no, that was you know, Latif blessing. Okay, I'll give you that. But again, you play the team in front of you for, for sure, the, for sure. We, but but we, and we I think have... that's where it it doesn't feel like a momentum thing. It, it's I'm RSL had a fantastic performance. I think that first half, you know, you got to take away like, hey guys, we got to be way more clinical finishing um but but they beat a team that they were supposed to beat on paper is the way i view it um so yeah let's move on to another thing the goalkeeper thing that's happening right now zach mcmath andrew putting up yep is that settled for the next little while um i don't think so i think i think if i had to identify a need for the transfer season so obviously striker still. I think we are in desperate need of a, you know, you are our number nine. Yeah, we, go- we have one to trade if anyone wants one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we got to figure out the attack first and foremost, obviously. But a, a thing that I didn't think I would be saying, um, you know, at the start of the season that I'm saying now is we also need a goalie. Um, I, think, I think McMath has proven why he... Um, you know, why he keeps losing that starting position. Um, dude, d- you know, I, th- I think dude is a slightly above average keeper, but um, there are just some fundamentals that he doesn't get right and it, they are easily exploited. And I think Putna is an outstanding goalie two to three games out of every fourth game. And then that fourth game, he's a disaster. So like you, you can't have that. You can't be that inconsistent. I, I think, you know, not trying to take away anything from that performance. I think he should be the starter until a, a goalie is brought in. 
but but to me at this point it feels like it feels like a pattern you know where it's like hey we gotta you know i i I genuinely think those two will be trading the goalie spot back and forth until until another goal is brought in why not i understand that i agree with that um Patna's biggest problem is consistency right again one day he looks like Manuel Neuer and the next day he looks like me trying to save a PK um and I've and I think I can't use my hands right that's literally what, what the difference seems to be like and McMath is more bad than good he's got that occasional really good game I think Patna overall is a better goalie but why not I mean we talked about this preseason why not get a Cho in there um, I mean, yeah, I, I think given the state of 2020 and I think being realistic about what the, what the season is, um, like, yeah, let's, you know, let's do it at this point. Um, I, I do think that Ochoa does have to like actually quarantine. Yeah. To, 10 days. To, yeah. To like play in the MLS from the USL. It's, it's yep. super weird. Um, he, you know, he, so the the Monarchs played uh, the same day that Real Salt Lake did against LAFC with just like, I think, a, you know, 30-minute delay or something. Um, and he had a pretty not-so-great start to that game, but then settled in. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the only difference really there is because I don't, I don't think he's anything close to a finished product by any stretch of the imagination – but that's to be expected given his youth and just inexperience. So, you know, that that's the kind of thing where you accept that trade-off because the the ceiling is so high and the upside is, you know, has so much potential there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I completely agree with that. That's what we were saying before the season, well, restarted. It's a throwaway year, right? I do not think this team is good enough to win silverware this year. And... I think I was saying in the beginning of the season that uh, there's not really a lot of results or outcomes out of this year that I would be overly upset about, um, including at the coach. Now, that, some of that has changed. You got, you got a new boss coming in sooner or later, right? So maybe, there's, maybe that pressure is back on, but it seemed like a perfect year to throw the kid in and, and see, see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Worst case scenario, you'll learn by the end of the season that this is not your future goalkeeper, and now you know you have to go out and get a goalkeeper, right? Right. That's right. the way I look at it. I, I, I'm not sure if the, if if we have that kind of luxury of, or if our ownership, well, no, whatever, management had that kind of patience to sit that one out and see it through, but it just seemed like a really good opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it it's to me, I think it, you know, it's crazy experience that you know just it, it goes a long way in in the the training of that young man um so yeah I'm, I'm with you like 2020 feels like this really weird you know anything is possible but none of it really matters year in sports so right as crazy as it sounds like i'm i'm with you like let's just let's do it a couple of years from now everyone's gonna be discounting whoever wins whatever Right, whether it's the yeah. NBA championship, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's the MLS Cup, it's all going to be the same. And, and um, I think, let's talk I about think for just with... a minute about another young guy. Let's go for it. Oh, Chang. Yeah, that kid is impressing. Kid can ball. Kid, he is the truth. He is 
the truth. Yeah, he's, I mean, I did not, all of the prep we did and looking into who's going to impress this year, who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. I don't think he ever came up in any of those discussions. No. I, I just don't remember looking for him to do anything, like him even being an option. I right. mean, really showing himself and utilizing the opportunity presented to him. I'm very happy. Another, another product of the academy. Um, it is. It is just amazing to see. Well, not not the academy. The the B team. I think, yeah, I don't think you ever spend a minute in the academy. Right, but it's the feeder system, is what I mean. Fair enough. Fair and I enough. can't even wait to see. So that's that's good. I mean, let's, let's not get carried away. He's not our future. Well, he's not our number nine go to next year or our wing. He's not. You know, he's not gonna substitute in for what um, Savarino was able to do. None of that stuff, right? We can't get no. carried away. Because no. we have seen kids come up and have a really, really good couple of months and just disappear afterwards. Right. We right. What the heck happened? Um, but I think it's very exciting to see when, when you look at that lineup, how many how many of those players are either from the academy, uh, well, through from one of the feeder systems that sure, is set up. Sure, sure, yeah. And what gets me really excited is, is, and I really hope, and maybe we, we carry on with, with that discussion, when the new ownership comes in, that, that whoever buys it, I mean, it is a package deal where you get everything, that they right. keep it together. I mean, can you imagine a few years from now when, you know, the high school kids have gone through the high school, then the academy, and then maybe not sign with Bayern um, because of our stupid rules here. But you know, work out, work that way up through the system, and then start playing for for the A team. Can you imagine what that team could look like ten years from now? Let's say. Right. Yeah, man. It's 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 good to see it. You know, working. Um, once I I feel so contrary to everything you say. Like, Chang, totally, you know, standout performance. But I think like, so he doesn't look it. But the dude's twenty nine. Like. He's prime. No, he's 23, I thought. Chang? Yeah. No, nah, dude, he's like late 20s, I'm pretty sure. Um, right. I yeah. I don't think so. I think you're wrong, but I don't think so. Well, I mean, this is like a very easy thing to to look up. Go ahead, uh, keep talking. Yeah, dude, he was born in 1990, 1991. Um, so, 29. Yeah. Um, like... Like really good. I, I think the thing I appreciate most about him, he gets in these really good positions positions inside the box and then he has his head on a swivel. Like he's just like he's programmed to look for the assist. Like he like he just he's like, What's the best way to put this ball on frame? And I think he recognizes that's usually not gonna be directly through him and he just sends these mm -hmm. perfect passes into, you know, to other guys and um you know, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. Like, I, it's, yeah, he's, he's having, he's having a bigger impact than I thought he would. I do, you know, I can't say I, I followed a lot of the Monarchs games when he was on the team, but I do know that when he signed for the first team, I think we even call it out in the post. It's like, hey, be sure to bring some of those assists with you, um, and and he has. It, it's he's yeah. making the most of his opportunity, but yeah, I mean, he's. A good, a good eye, good eye for the game, for good sure. Feel for the game. You can't teach um, that. I'm excited. I think he's a really good, really good 
addition in there. Look, I mean, we can argue who should and shouldn't play it, you know, till the cows come home. But um, I think that's good. So let's just recap before we get into the, the some of the pricing. Um, RSL now sitting in seventh in the West, 14 points. Here's how tight the West is right now. Seventh, 14 points. The number one spot occupied by Minnesota, 17 points. We're literally three points out of first. The bottom spot, San Jose, <laughs> and they're going to stay bottom based on the results that are right. underway right now. Um, nine points, but two games less. So it'll be one game less after today. Right. Still nine points. So it's still five points. So it's we are five points ahead of 12th last in the West, and we are three points behind first. The West is just yet again crazy. It is nuts. It is right. ridiculous. I mean, it, it's also, I think, a product of the nature of the season. Like, everyone's only played a maximum of 10 games. So... Right. You know, there, there's really only so much of a difference you can have, and a bunch of those teams played the other teams. Right? There's no like cross conference games, so like yep. you, every, everything's kind of spread thinner than than normal. Um, yeah, and and you know, the based off the seven zero lead that the Flounders have over San Jose in the seventieth minute. Yeah. It's safe to assume that they will be uh, number one by the time the night is over. Um, but yeah, and and At eighteen. Yes, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I don't have the standings up, but I I believe you. <laughs> um, it, it's. I I think given the fact that so many teams are making the playoffs this year, you know, eight versus seven. And I know that sounds like it's it's pretty close. It goes back to that conversation you and I had about, you know, what does a good season look like this year? Like, RSL should make the playoffs without breaking too much of a sweat. Um, and, you know, now that all of this, this being, the you know, the Deloitte Hansen kind of sale of, of uh, Utah soccer um, is happening... Maybe this is the kind of crazy bump. You know when like a team gets a new coach and all of a sudden they start playing really well for like, you know, four months just because it's new and exciting and everyone's trying to impress the new boss? Maybe we see a similar bump with a, new, with a new owner. Like maybe this is the year where there's just enough of that difference where suddenly, you know, oh, San Jose scored, thank God. <laughs> where, uh, you know, like they actually can do some damage in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't believe I mean, that, but it's yeah. worth worth discussing. Look, it's a dangerous team. You never know. When, when they play, when they have an on game, it is just, I mean, everyone was playing really well yesterday. I understand your points about it. It wasn't the complete LAFC team. Okay, so what? But I think when they play like that, with that kind of shot output and with a goalkeeper who's having a good game without making mistakes in the back, well, too many mistakes, um, they can beat anyone. And it's it's a single elimination uh, playoff series, I believe, this year. I, I don't know if they have come out with that yet, but I'll bet you anything it's going to be. Right. So, I, I think so, you're yeah, right. I'm looking forward to that. Here, here's the problem with that, though, dude. Like, maybe you do the thing where you killed a giant once, right? You know, RSL versus LAFC. 
and and it's awesome. It, it's a fantastic feeling. You beat a team you weren't supposed to beat. You snuck one past them. But then then there's that next opponent. I think those like Cinderella runs are Cinderella runs because of how unbelievably difficult and not realistic it is. It, it's kind of like, it reminds me of, uh, I think it was last year, LAFC versus LA Galaxy, right? LA Galaxy beats LAFC basically every single time in the regular season. They meet in the playoffs. It's the one of the, I can't even remember the score, but it was one of the craziest games I recall. LAFC beats LA Galaxy. It, you know, it finally happened. They got this monkey off their back. Everyone's riding high. And then they get totally destroyed by Seattle because they, you know, they have to kill that giant that was LA Galaxy for them. That you, you kind of feel yeah. like that was your big game and you've won the MLS Cup. And really, there's this whole other big game right behind it. You, you know, repeating it two, three, four times into the final yeah. doesn't isn't it's not realistic it doesn't happen you just have to be consistently good those are the teams that lift the cup at the end of the year well i mean then there's seattle right i mean they're consist- consistently good this year but remember just a couple of years ago when they were lost with something like 10 games left in the season and then just went on a hot streak but that that's a little different look i'll just to get back to rsl and let's not look too far ahead into the playoffs I say if, if RSL does not get three points against Colorado this mm-hmm. weekend, this uh, LAFC performance is for naught. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's still three points, but it takes away all the good feeling or the good feelings that we got right. out of this. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think Colorado at this point, it's pretty clear that they are not a good team still. I think they're rebuilding, and I think they're they're much better than they were last year and the year before. But it it, it would almost be impossible for them not to be, <laughs> you know. Like, right. um, it, it's. I mean, if they field eleven players every game, people would just be clapping. Like, nice, right? Like, let's yeah. Like, we need to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we, beating Colorado isn't some great achievement. Um, having Colorado at home and and originally under phase 1 there would there was supposed to be a week break between our last game and the Colorado game but because the LAFC game uh was uh, yeah postponed that has now become a a 3 day break i believe um we're playing on saturday so whatever that difference is um they just you know like they're not winning games but they're also not losing a ton of games they're they're tying all over the place they tied uh who was it uh Houston Dynamo just uh, just yesterday um and and it was like one of those like 96th uh Abu Bakar at the at the death kind of things um so they'll probably you know come into it riding high and feeling really good about themselves and i think they can absolutely be dangerous and you know have something to prove but at the same time i think you know the same way minnesota has our number i think we've had colorado's and anything's possible and i hope the guys don't go into the game feeling the way i feel about it but yeah anything short of a win would feel like a loss to my to in, in my opinion Absolutely agreed. I'm not saying it's a big thing to beat Colorado. I'm saying it's not just a Colorado game. It also then reflects on the game that we just finished and we all feel really good about, right? It would just be a huge downer. All right, enough about that. Let's move on. Um, 
you have looked at and pulled up some numbers around the potential worth of Utah soccer. What's the yeah. full name? Utah soccer. I mean, I think it's Utah soccer LL or Utah soccer holdings or something like that. Yeah. So what do you know about that? Yeah. So everyone's referencing the same number and I, I'm pretty sure the original, um, source is a, like a sports, uh, sports business daily.com. Um, and, and it's, you know, 500 million. It includes the Monarchs, the Royals, Real Salt Lake, the stadium and the Academy. Um, there is a there is a minimum number as well for valuation, and it's I think it was some like three hundred twenty five million, and it is the cost of a um, uh, what is it? You want a new club in MLS? You have to get a uh, a franchise license. Franchise, yeah, the the franchise fee. So so that's that's the floor, right? It, they're they're not prepared to take anything less than that, which makes sense. Um, and and I think. You know the five hundred million is is probably a little con- conservative, just based off of what folks are seeing, um, and 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 now it's real, right? Like now it's no longer you know. So there's a saying I'm fond of, and and I'll give the the kind of PG thirteen version for for our listeners here. It's everyone wants to be a gangster until it's time to start doing gangster ish. Right. Everyone wants yeah. to buy Real Salt Lake and the Royals and the Monarchs and the Academy and the stadium until it's time to go find five hundred million dollars. Like like now yeah. now it's not Josie going, Hey, I've got a group, I'm a big baller. It's not, you know, uh the Qualtrics guy going, Hey, they've got my number. Now now it's like, Hey, we need some assets, we need some, you know, research, we need um, you know, due diligence to be done. It, it, it's real. It's become a tangible you get this thing and this organization and this, you know, set of employees for this amount of money. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see how, where the conversations go from here. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is kind of interesting to see, you know, we're talking about half a billion dollars here. Like that's, yeah. It, it, yeah. But let's, let's, it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's not fair change, right? That's probably why it's always a group buying these, these large clubs. I really hope it's a group. Um, Danny was saying something very interesting and on repeat the other day, um, monopoly money, right? Not real. I was just, just yesterday against LAFC that they were playing, they have the kind of money that doesn't even seem real. It's not real money for anyone because they have a bunch of billionaires who have all invested, right? And even to a multi-billionaire, a half billion dollar investment is a pretty hefty investment, right? Um, but if you could put three of them together, eh, different story, right? What's a couple of hundred million dollars? Um, it's interesting. And the other thing I would, I would point out is th- this MLS franchise license is that price will never go down. I remember the article that talked about David Beckham. And when he came over into the league, part of that's why he started Miami FC. Part of the contract that he signed is that he was able, he was going to be able to launch an MLS franchise within, I can't remember if there was a number of years, maximum period, at the current price, meaning the price that it was, uh, that it cost when he got into the league. And I think he got here 2009, right? Eight or nine. 
I know he was here in 09 because we beat him in the, in the MLS Cup final. So he got here in 8 or 09, and that was $50 million. So when he started Miami FC, I'm just assuming that's, that's why he wanted to start it, right? He was able to start it at that price because his contract at, you know, 10 years earlier included that clause in there. And now it's worth, what, hundreds of millions of dollars. I think that, that price keeps going up. So it's, it's a pretty safe investment if you're betting on the MLS, MLS's popularity to keep rising because you can always resell that if it ever if push ever comes to shove. Yeah, I mean, like you bring up a lot of really, really good points, obviously. Um, and, and I think it's worth like, so there are a lot of comparisons to like recent sales of like Roma. And, you know, I know somebody bought like a 50% stake of like Everton in the English Premier League for, you know, less than than what RSL is being valued at. And everyone's kind of shocked that these giant, you know, um, that these giant uh, clubs in Europe are, are valued so so closely to what a little old RSL team in the MLS is valued. And I think, um, I think people forget that, like, while the clubs obviously compete against themselves, the single entity structure, like, like the kind of investor operator model of really MLS owning all of, like being the, the boss essentially for all of the players, does wonders for competitive pay. Like you are, you are suddenly in control of like labor costs essentially um, to, to, you know, get really weird and economic with this model. Um, yeah, MLS is is a growth industry. It it's I I think it's the type of thing where whoever or whomever's the entire group that ends up buying RSL will undoubtedly see the value continue to increase. And um, it, as crazy as it sounds, as far as sports clubs go, an MLS organization right now is is I think a pretty safe bet. In my yeah. humble opinion. Yeah, can't really doubt that. Can't really um, disagree with that. It's, I mean, it, it's a market that has still barely been breached. Barely, right? We're still relying on big, almost retired European stars coming over in many cases. Um, I remember, I, th- I think it was again Dunny. I get a lot of my news from Dunny, apparently, or at least thoughts that I'm just repeating. Um, the question was, when do we get relegation and promotion? in the US? And the answer was, it's going to take another generation, right? It's going to take another generation because the majority of soccer fans in the United States right now are not first generation soccer fans. It's these kids that are going to the games right now. They're going to grow up to be die. I'm not talking about toddlers. I'm talking about, I mean, them too. I'm talking about the eight, 12, 14 year olds. And Lord knows the stadium is full of them when you go, right? When these kids are old enough to actually have purchasing power and and now they have attachment to a club, because don't get me wrong, I love the NBA. I'm a diehard jazz fan, but at the end of the day, like you don't chant, (laughs) right? Um, You don't make up songs in, 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 um, in, in, at basketball games. The kind of attachment you develop to a soccer club is, in my mind, a lot stronger than it is 
the type you develop to any other sports team or sport in the United States. So I think same thing goes here. When these kids grow up and have purchasing power, they're going to, to a larger extent, spend their money on the MLS, on the soccer in the United States. That's when we can actually utilize homegrown players and they can become big stars. You don't have to go overseas. It is absolutely, I think, a safe investment. Having said all of that, I'm not the one that has to write a half a billion dollar check so I can sit back here and talk all I want. Well, it should be interesting. Anything else to add to that? No, I mean, you know, I, I think uh, as long as the model of MLS continues to mo- like, you know, these these investors have no, there is no incentive for relegation and promotion. And therefore, there's. It's going to be very hard to have relegation and promotion because I think they do have a you know, a lot of a lot of control here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point. It, it's I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's the whole like FC Dallas winning a supporter shield in front of an empty stadium. Like, if that club were to get relegated you'd have like five people in the stands on a given day. And if you just spent $300 million on a yeah. franchise fee, you're not okay with that. Obviously. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not even getting into a relegation promotion thing. I just brought that up because of the generational thing. For sure. Right? For sure. And when that generation brings up and increases its purchasing power, or, you know, the value of the league goes up. Right. By definition. All right, man. What else we got? Anything else on the on the on the docket for tonight? No, I mean we've got the Colorado game this weekend. It'll be, uh, you know, I I think realistically it should probably be the last game we play against them this year. But then again, you never know what phase two is going to look like. Um, you know, yeah. it it could be an exclamation point on a very nice ending for this uh, phase one for ourselves, and hopefully they they can take advantage of that, and you know end phase one on a six point streak and uh yeah we'll, we'll find out this saturday i suppose should be fun all right rsl nation it's been a pleasure it's been fun thanks for hanging with y'all boys Dylan the baker thanks for listening to the scarf life podcast adios